The following podcast contains explicit language, listener discretion advised. Now you really want to listen to it, don't you? Jared Poland is probably one of the most recognizable photographers around. His hair and his I Shoot Raw shirts are pretty much synonymous with his brand, Frono's Photo. But you, you can't really say it like that. It's Frono's Photo. I don't think I'm doing that right. No, Frono's Photo.com. <laughs> It's the way he says it. Am I doing that right, Jared? Yeah, it's close. It was okay. <laughs> so his, his videos cover everything about photography, whether you want to learn tips and tricks so that you can take better pics or you are a serious professional who wants to stay up to date with everything current in the industry. His camera and gear reviews are the best. I mean, he really kind of, he puts these brands to real world tests, which I really like to see. Professional photographers have him critique their websites and portfolios. That's actually one of my favorite kinds of videos he does. And let's see, he's got an app. He does. He sells Lightroom presets. He's got photography guys. Lots, lots more. Oh, you know what's, got you know what's funny, Steve? Hmm. You know what's funny? What you talk about? You talk about your favorite or the critiques. And that's the hardest fucking ones to get people to watch because they're the <laughs> hardest things to title. Um, yeah. It just in the whole game of the YouTube world, it's very difficult to title those well to get people to watch them. But what I will tell you, I'm interrupting again, but what I will tell you is the watch time of the people that watch are incredible. Oh, the I watch time so is much. extended. I learned so much from those things. Just, and you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be a photographer to enjoy those. It's all about how these people are presenting themselves on their websites. And you critique like, you know, just the way their website is laid out and how their portfolios look and which ones are, I mean, to me, I just, I find a lot of value in that. It's really interesting. Thank you. Let me finish. Let me finish my, my real flowery introduction here. <laughs> okay. He's, so let's see, as you, you probably already know, Jared's got, you know, one of those very large personalities that he kind of demands attention wherever he is. And plus, plus, plus he's got a cat which kind of puts him in like an A-lister as far as I'm concerned. So I was Sammy happy to Davis meet Jared Junior for the Kitty. first time. I think we met, it was probably four or five years ago at a YouTube event down in San Bruno, down at the at the headquarters. And really, ever since Maybe then, further. you're like a business inspiration for me. Because well, you, you got, know, I'm interrupting again. You go ahead and interrupt. You bring up these, you bring up these things and I can't expound on them. Like, oh, we're going to expound on them. But I met you there. You had more subscribers than me. And I said to you, why the fuck aren't you speaking? And why am I speaking? And you, why aren't you speaking? You have more than me. The question is, why weren't you speaking, Steve? I was just there. I was just some schlub. I'm like, oh, I just want to hear what's going on. They invited me. It was like this. It was a YouTube thing, you know, and I'm not even sure what the, the topic was. But OK, you know what? You know, what? by the way, everybody welcome Jared Poland to the show. Hey. That's my intro. <laughs> Thank you. This is, but you know what, one of the things that you said at that conference, it wasn't even a conference. It was just like a, it was like a meeting, right? It, it was to, it was to help newer YouTubers grow. And then I find out that you're bigger than me anyway. So, <laughs> but you were, you were like, there was like three guys talking and then the, the first two, I don't remember who they were. They're like, yeah, we're, we're building our channel. We're going to do that. And then you come on there and you're like, bam. I mean, everybody in the room just was like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's it is, it well, is pro nose when, when you sit on panels yes i have a personality and people <laughs> love it or hate it which is fine i i you know 
I was going to say that I need to watch my facial expressions on these things because I don't have resting bitch face. I got resting dick face because people just think I look like a dick. They're just like, you, like, look at your face. Because I did this on a call yesterday. I was just like this the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. I mean, if anybody's listening to a podcast, you didn't see that look. But it was it was just one of those, like, just, yeah, it depends on what mood I'm in. Well, you know that um, one of the things you speaking of that mood is you had this thing a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was last week on Instagram on a story. and You did this thing called don't be an asshole. And it was about about having your camera gear stolen. Don't let your camera gear be stolen. Not me. I didn't have my camera gear stolen. Let's no, no, that it it was your warning not to let people have that happen. And I got to tell you, here's a quick story. I actually went to photography school. I got an associate degree in photography for whatever that was worth back in 1988 and moved out to San Francisco, 1990. And like, it was, it had to be like the first week we were in the city and I was shooting photos everywhere. We were in Chinatown at night and I thought, okay, well let's, let's go get a bite to eat or something and put all the camera gear where in the trunk of the car. Yeah, sure enough, we came back. It was all gone. All of my gear <laughs> was gone. And so when you when you said that, I thought, ah, oh, yeah, that's what I needed. Yeah, the, the, the hashtag don't be an asshole thing is just, it's simple. Don't leave your shit in your car because most of the thefts that happen from uh, gear being stolen happens in cars because people leave their stuff there and somebody followed them or saw them shooting in the park and was like, okay, I'm going to call somebody and we're going to break into their car when they go somewhere. So it's just like, keep the gear on yourself. And then people are like, but what if you get robbed on the street? I'm like, well, you know, whatever, don't leave it in your car. And if you're going to go have, if you're going to go to lunch or something and you have too much gear, go to the drive through at Chick-fil-A, except if it's Sunday. And that's, what I tell people, like, take the gear with you. I've rolled multiple bags into a four-person booth for one person because it's my stuff. And if something happens to it, it's my fault. And I got, you know, I did a, I did a whole podcast on the hashtag don't be an asshole with a guy in Europe who got like eight or $9,000 worth of gear stolen from the car, including an iMac of all things in a car. And people were like, you are victim blaming. And I was like, I Googled victim blaming. I read what it definition was and I was like, why, yes, I am. I am victim blaming. Why? Because he was an asshole. And I'm not saying as a person, the guy's an asshole. I'm just making a point that hashtag don't be an asshole. Don't leave your shit in the car. And then, I mean, why would you leave hard drives in the car with important images on that you can't get back? Why would you leave your fucking computer in the car, for God's sakes? You know, it's just don't be an asshole. And, and the whole point is just to drive that home so that when people get out of their car, they think of me saying hashtag don't be an asshole. And then hopefully it spreads. And then there's less stolen gear. Hashtag I mean, don't be an asshole. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was that guy. I was that guy. But it was 1988. It was yeah. a different time. George Bush was coming in the first. <laughs> he beat Dukakis in a landslide. And then it was going to be four years of read my lips. I was just uh, let's let's rewind because um, I watched a video. I think it's your channel trailer on your YouTube yeah. channel. It's called "This Is the End of Frono's Photo After Nine Years." That's called and a clickbait a, title, by the way. It's a great clickbait, and you used caps at the end to really drive home that this is truly the end. Um, however, the meat of that video is fascinating. So, for people who maybe don't know the backstory, I know I, I found out that the Afro has always been there. The first video, perhaps you weren't as fluent as you wanted to be, but the 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 Afro was was 
certainly not as voluptuous as it is no. now, but it was it was there. So could you kind of just rewind and help us get back to how YouTube started for you? Sure. Yeah. Thank you for uh, watching that video. Um, that video. Uh, I'll talk about the video first, and then we'll go back to the to the past. But the you know the 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 title was chosen for when we hit a million subscribers to do a video, right? And I knew that if I said, we did it, we got a million subscribers, like 23,000 people would watch it. And it, it, would just get, it gets so demoralizing when you know you have solid content that you want people to watch and you can't get somebody to watch it because, and, I, and I'm not an algorithm bitcher. I'm not one of those people that's like, the algorithm doesn't like me. It's not the algorithm. It's fucking you. But if you don't... Right. Everybody always it, wants to play the algorithm. Right. But if you don't have a good title that gets people engaged, but it's not only getting them engaged, they click. It's one thing to click, but it's another thing if they stay. And so we know with our videos that the watch time is, you know, Photo News Fix gets 65 to 70 percent watch time every episode, whether it's seven minutes, whether it's nine minutes, it's 70 percent watch through and that's literally all the way across the line and it only drops off at the end for the last 20 seconds when i'm signing off right, right? um so we anyway the, the the million video we knew we wanted people to watch and we named it is this the end of Frono's photo because we wanted to engage people and then people just love it it's a it, it, the watch time on that is i think it's like a 14 minute video it's probably up in the 60 percent 70 percent range um but the way that it starts is a 30 second clip of a longer 10 minute clip of me failing in 2008 to make a test video for something that was going to be called pro photo 101 i was going to start this website about pro photo 101 is going to be reviews and all of this stuff and i'm failing for 10 minutes straight with a camcorder recording i even put a I didn't have microphones or anything, so it was a tape tape camcorder. I put a uh, envelope on top with a rubber band because I thought that maybe that would accept the audio better when I was speaking. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And so I just failed miserably in front of the camera time and time again. It was like, uh, hi, my name is Jared for Profo. Mm, no. <laughs> and it's like, mm, mm, no, it's there. a shitty background I set up. But the crazy thing is, the more that you watch that video, the more you start to see there, there's something hiding under there. It just wasn't ready to work yet. Um, and I didn't start YouTube for another year and a half to two years after that. So that was 2008. I didn't start till June 2010. And part of the reasons for starting, one, I didn't like the content other people were putting out. I just I watched a video that some guy put out reviewing a shitty lens versus a pro lens and telling us why the shitty lens was better. And it had like 36,000 views in 2009, 2010. And I'm like, this is bullshit. And so instead of telling the guy that he's an asshole in the comments, I have a camera that shoots five minutes of video before it stops recording. I know what I'm talking about, I think. I'm going to start making videos and put the money where my mouth is. I'm going to do I'm going to do it my way. So that was one of the reasons I started. The other reason was to, in the idea that I would get more jobs if I put my work out there, and that never happened. That didn't happen early. What happened is people started asking questions. And I figured if that person has a question, then somebody else has the same exact question, and I should go ahead and make a video about every piece of content. Or every, every video... Um, Every, every question that somebody asks, I should turn into content. 
And that's what I did. It was a video every day for the next seven years, I think. It averaged out to like one video a day for seven years. It was a different world. It was like, to me, it was like vlogging before vlogging was a thing because people would tune in to see what was I going to do next. Wow. I mean, that's kind of the way, I think that's a common story with a lot of people, at least back in the day when they started a YouTube, YouTube channel, is you started for kind of a different reason than it, it developed into. Um, you know, a lot of people started because they think, well, I'm going to just use this as a, a way to promote my real business, you know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden that becomes the business. The business. And then it kind of goes back to where I think where you are now is where YouTube isn't your business. It's probably like a lot of us, a, a big component of it, but you've got so many different things. I mean, I was trying to list off everything, all your different income streams. And, you know, when I first met you in San Bruno at that event, I remember you were you threw out some numbers to me and I was like, damn, this guy's killing it. I mean, you were really doing some really good sales, even, even back then. It was, it was sales off of, yeah. I mean, a lot of people thought you made your money from YouTube. Yeah. Only the big, I mean, if you're doing like 10 million views a month, you're probably bringing in what, 40-ish, 35, 40,000 in AdSense, give or take. It, it varies for everybody. I've never hit 10 million views a month. I do about two to three million depending on what we're putting out. And as of late, it's been a little less because we're working on a project. But, you know, you're looking at, it's it's not a bad chunk of change for right. one person, but I got two employees. We got healthcare. We've got the the fro factory here that I bought and rent to myself, which is nice. So you know the revenue streams have to be diversified off of YouTube, and it was like that from day one. I mean, not day one, but I put out a, a video guide in 2012 called the Frono's Photo Guide to Getting Out of Auto. It cost me 7,500 bucks to produce. It was three hours. We figured out how to get it to be a digital download, and it was just selling. We just, there weren't a lot of people selling online education like that in 2012, and 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 I didn't sell anything for two years on my website. So I just built up the goodwill of giving out free content. That when I did ask for the sale, it was insane. There was like two thousand dollar days and five thousand dollar days and three thousand dollar days, all for like four or five months, and then. For the years later, it continued to sell and sell and sell and sell. And it's just like, it's pretty insane what you can do if you start to build a following and then monetize through multiple, multiple streams. Your people will thank you for all the free stuff that you give them. So sometimes merchandise can be like the most accessible things yeah. for a YouTube creator to kind of get behind. When did I shoot? 10 Raw days start 10 days and into the 10 days after i launched youtube so june 10th after i launched june 1st i had my first t-shirt up for sale how and many of those shirts have you sold i could not tell you the number <laughs> do you know how many designs you have well the original design is the most important there's probably six seven designs but the original the og raw black is still the top seller and that was the first one that came out and it i don't know it has to be 10 20,000 I I have no I I have no idea because it's not the money maker it's not meant to make yeah. money off of shirts it's meant to be you know a branding exercise and and the reason I started selling merch is I'm like well I used to work with bands and they made money off of selling t-shirts so why don't I do this um and so the I shoot raw shirt started I sold them for 11.99 
I made like $3 or something at the beginning. I shipped them all myself from my brother's bedroom. I hand wrote out every envelope, took them all to the post office, did it. Yeah, merch. Merch was, but the problem with merch today is if you give up all of the, you know, the work to a Teespring and all of these people, the percentages that they take are asinine. So you have to sell a shirt for $25 to even, like, they're, they're, the numbers when I looked at what they charge for a shirt, I'm like, guys, I buy the blanks for $2.32 each for good blanks, okay? I know what the cost of printing is for the front. I know what the cost of the printing is for the back. I'm all in at like five bucks on a one color, ring spun cotton, nice shirt, and you guys are charging 15 cost to me, and I got to sell the fucking thing for, you know, a ton of money? It's just bullshit. No, it's not worth it. I think, <clears throat> I think most people, <clears throat> unless you have a really large following of people who want to sell, it just doesn't make any sense other than what I do is, you know, I sell the branded shirt just as like a, a goodwill thing. It's not, I have yeah. no intention of making money. I don't even know if I do a a profit on those. I guess I must have some sort of a markup. I haven't even checked on that in ages. You know, I probably make a dollar off of each shirt or something. So it's not. (laughs) Well, the the funny thing thing is people are willing to pay 22 to $25 for the shirts that we have. Um, I did a few charity things through one of the sites. I think it was, it's well, the site's called bonfire and it's one of those where you can put up a shirt design and let it run for like two weeks. And it has a counter on there for how much, how many you've sold then you can also have it tie in with a charity. So it's like how much is going to charity. And when the wildfires happened in Australia a while back, we did an Australian wildlife shirt. They designed it for free. They have printers all over the country so that when it does close at two weeks, you got printers all in those areas and in other countries so that they can get it out. We raised $17,000. That's not how much that's we took in. It was $17,000 in profit that went and they was i think i was selling the shirts for 25 dollars, and i've never sold a shirt for 25 dollars. and put out some content around it put it in my photo news fix send it out through my email and it's seventeen thousand dollars to charity for that was just i was like well i wish i was going in my pocket but we're doing it for a good cause you know so it's just like that that rub you're like shit i could have made money but you're like but wait it's for a good cause so you have a you have a team how long have you had a team at your uh, at your business uh, so I had my first employee would have been in the 2013, eight, you know, like two and a half ish years in, um, that first employee didn't pan out the way that I wanted it to be. And then, um, one of my current ones who's still with me for like seven years, eight years, almost, uh, took over from that person and, and did what I wanted. Um, basically what, what I mean, did what I wanted is a photo, knows photography, great with stills, shoots video, edits video, audio engineer, you know, a predator, as they say, somebody that can do everything. Then we added Dan, who's a great editor. He, um, Dan can't shoot worth a damn. Is that correct? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But Dan, Dan can edit the shit out of the videos. And so we have two full timers um, and, and me. And you still edit video yourself, or no? Is that hell no! Pretty- hell no! <laughs> no, I can't edit video. Do you still do the? Do you still do the uh, thumbnails? Do you do the? Thumbnails? Oh, I do all the thumbnails myself. Yeah, I took that over. I um, I went through like a lull in 2015, 2016, 2017, where it was like, why is my channel not growing? And Steve knows all this stuff too. I think we talk yeah. about we used yeah. to call each other, 
And it was like when Peter McKinnon, who's probably the most well-known photo person in the world fucking now, which pissed me off, and I tell him that all the time. But it was like it was so damaging to watch this kid come out of nowhere, 50,000, 100,000, 250, 500, a million within nine months, and then just be, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's a shock to your brain, and it makes you think, what am I doing wrong? It's eco-shattering. It is. It, it is. And it, it wasn't like and I, I told him all of this stuff and it was like it's not like I was doing something wrong. There were things I was doing wrong that we've we've corrected. It was just the perfect storm for somebody to get big on YouTube when he shot up two, three and a half ish almost four years ago. And I and I exp I called him on the phone. Well, I asked him to talk on the phone one day and I called him like, do you know why all this is happening? And he's like, N not really. I'm like, here's my thought. My thought is you made that first video that just popped that how 90 second hacks photo things in 90 seconds and it exploded. So you have a video that gets like a couple hundred thousand views and you got like 20,000. You got no subscribers. So YouTube's like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like this person must be great. You, you did the right thing. You followed it up with another piece of content, and it did really well. Now YouTube's like, holy shit, that's two videos. The guy's got like 400, 500,000 views and has 10,000, 15,000 subscribers. Then you followed it up again. Oh, and he's in Canada, which means I think there's less competition in Canada, which means, and I don't know any of this for a fact. It just seems to be common sense to me, that if there's less competition in a country and you shoot to the top of that list, well, then the rest of the YouTube algorithms, like whatever they built, through the rest of the world is like, oh, shit, this is number one in this country? Holy shit, we better put it out to everybody else. And then it just exploded. And you're talking 20,000 subscribers a day, like five to 7,000 subscribers a day and 100,000 a month, sometimes 200. Uh, and then, of course, the Casey Neistat in integration when Casey called him and he flew to, like, Copenhagen or Denmark, wherever the fuck Anne Frank's house is. And he went and he... And they did a video and it's just like even more because and what Peter has is quality content. He's good at what he does. He's personable. I'm an asshole. And that's part of the reason, you know, I'm it's not always brand. nice. That's your brand. That's your brand. I, don't, I don't want the brand. Look, look, <laughs> I just say it straightforward. It, it's personal. It, you know, people are going to love you. People are going to hate you. It, it's better to have 100 percent of people. love you. Know, as my dad would say, it's better to have. What, 50% of the world love you, 50% of the world hate you, than to have 100% not give a shit. And that's always been the thing. You can't make everybody happy. Um, you know, I think we've all been through those periods. And I think that where YouTube, oh, yeah. and I, you're right, you and I've talked about this on the phone before about, well, YouTube goes through these, or YouTube channels go through these kind of, where you hit a peak. And then yeah. it's just going to drop down. And there's always going to be some guy who fires on all cylinders and it's like you said you they don't even really understand why it happens but for whatever reason youtube says yes this is perfect this is perfect everything in this video is perfect we're going to promote it and then the next one and yeah and you know i've had guys and it's it's demoralizing when you've been doing this since 2008 or whenever and then somebody comes along and in one year they've just shot past you yeah it seems yeah. that some channels kind of fit into Google's or YouTube's kind of sweet spot and they end up being safe and produce good content. And it's just stuff that they can get behind. So they almost don't. We've kind of dipped in and out of that space because especially during COVID when there was lockdowns and whatnot, producing cleaning content and stay at home clean with me content was great. So therefore, almost every video that we released trended. And further to your point, Jared, we're in Canada. So trending in Canada is a much um, lower bar, but trending in Canada 
does alert the other uh, international YouTubes of like, this is good content that's working over here. So yes, you're much more apt to kind of like trend uh, worldwide yeah. when you're trending in one particular country. But you kind of go through waves. Like we go through for like maybe three videos or four videos where like kind of all three of them will trend in a row and then we'll do content that we know we need to do because they all can't be zingers as right. Primus said. And um, you, you, you kind of need to move on. You need to do something which is keyword driven or something which is more of an archive video or something which will just stand alone exactly. and it's not going to get that pop out of the gate. But you need to do it as a creator because you need to have a balanced channel and you need to pay attention to the people who are subscribing. And I was fascinated by your point where you're... Uh, um, you're at 1.35 million subscribers. You can release a video that might only get 30,000 views. So from an outsider standpoint, they would look at that and be like, oh, what, what kind of, you have one point. But anybody who's listening, who is wondering about what the real metric is, it's watch time. 60% watch time is mind boggling. Or 70. Watch hours that make a difference. It's watch hours that get you trending. It's watch out. It's keeping people engaged for a long period of time. Casey Neistat said, I use clickbait titles and clickbait thumbnails because I know they work and I know I have good enough content that once I trick someone into watching the content, they'll watch good content. So I loved what you, uh, what you uh, mentioned earlier about like, I just need to get you there. Cause once you're here, I know how to keep you. And I love the fact that you don't mind wearing rainbow short shorts or uh, <laughs> you no, know, whatever it is, like you will do whatever it takes to be entertaining and different and stand out and be memorable. And I think that's also what kind of resonates. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it definitely has helped. It, there was the, the weirdness factor at the beginning, you know, the sniff test, the wind tunnel test, just weird things when I'm reviewing gear. It's just, just odds and ends to do something different than what other people do, um, just to stand out. Uh, but to your point, we went through a period where every video was hitting 100,000 for a while. You know, two, three months, we're like, what the fuck, man? We're getting great. We're doing... Because the content was built around the release of, of like five or six cameras from different manufacturers. It was like September, October, November. They just all unleashed because they held up all their releases. But then they all just let them rip and it was quality stuff. And I could go shoot outside safely and I could post these things with good titles and, and we like 100,000 views and doing good thumbnails. And your point was sometimes you have to put out that other stuff and there's what I call long burn content, the stuff that doesn't do well now, but it's the shit that brings people in tomorrow uh, down the road. Because if you don't do that and if all you try to do, like I look at a Philip DeFranco channel, right? Philip DeFranco's growth has stalled, but I think he understands that and has acknowledged that and just lives in his world where he's getting 700, 800, 900, a million views per video. And those videos are dead within a couple days. Right. So there's not a lot of long burn content there. Um, but, you know, his subscriber growth didn't didn't go. But the views are still he's got, you know, 15, 16 million views a month. So it's good. And then there's all the other things that you can do. So, you know, we've got um, there's certain content we know is not going to do well right off the bat. And it sucks. But if we do a one of the more important videos that brings people in are these user guides. I've been making user guides for cameras since I started. Like a new camera came out, I would make like a 12, 15 minute video. It was before you could record out from your 
well, record at home, out from the camera into a recorder so you could record the back of the screen, you know, right. the menus. Yeah. I, I had a Sony, one of those flat Sony TVs, you know, tube ones, the Trinitrons or whatever the hell they were called. I set up my camera, and what I would do is I would film myself going through the menus and talking. Then I would turn the audio up after that recording. I would hit play, and I, would, I played into the TV, and I recorded the screen with my camera. My DSLR. So as I was saying it, I was replicating the movements again so that I had the menu how to set it up. So anyway, I st some of those videos have a million plus views because they live for they may not do well today, but the most basic cameras like the Nikon D3000s and the D3500s, those videos, people find those cameras five years from now at Costco's for like two ninety nine, and then they search for how to use it and then they find my video. And so those videos just keep building long-term. The lens initiative videos where I do reviews on every single lens may not do well today, but for the next five, six, seven years, while they're, while they're relevant, they're continuing to get views. Photo News Fix, on the other hand, is dead after a week. Right. But those are the video, Photo News Fix is where I can do clickbait titles because it's the news, you know? You know, Nikon is failing, to do X. Yeah, or, I, I like those the titles on something. Is Nikon destroyed for good this time? Oh, people love that video. <laughs> Dude, the hate on that video was insane. I'll, and it's like, guys, could you watch the fucking video? <laughs> like, don't just but, comment on the headline. But I'll bet you get, I'll bet you get these like brand fanboys. I mean, it's the same with tools oh, yeah. in, in, in woodworking. And people, they just fall in love with a certain brand. And you mention another brand and then there's just like this hate that just comes out. And I, I, what do you, you got basically... Canon, well, probably not so much Canon. Nikon, Sony, oh, you got Canon, Canon, Nikon, and Sony. Those are like the big three, right? Or yeah, but then when you get Fuji in the mix, the Fuji oh. fangirls are the ones that really bitch the most. <laughs> I can't even make Fuji um, reviews anymore. One, Fuji won't send me gear. Japan has cut me off. They they said, and I found out why. They're like, you said something negative about a lens in a review, uh -huh. and they told me which review, and I'm like, did you watch the review? Because yeah. I was glowing about your camera and what I liked about it, and you fuckers are going to pick one thing and you're going to say no you know what i don't know if we curse on here or not but i did so <laughs> too late for that we don't mind it's we not don't. like we can monetize this or anything you know <laughs> also putting up stuff like this on youtube does not work yeah no it, it, i mean basically well we do the podcast in we do both versions we have a video version and then the audio version and it's real interesting to see the different audiences for each one i mean the the number of downloads usually kind of exceeds the number of video views people are more interested in listening for the most yeah. part except we had like a one exception we had matthias wandel on here who's another woodworker and, and a lot of that was just because people knew him from me and so there was that kind of flow over but for the most part I mean, I, I mean, is that you don't do a video version of your podcast? You just do strictly okay. audio, right? You so actually I, do. Oh, do you do? Well, I used to. We used to have raw talk, hmm. and raw talk was um, something that started years, years and years ago. And I didn't realize getting like fifteen to twenty thousand downloads of an audio was actually good. I had no idea at the God, time. I'd love to get that many. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't realize it, and I, you know, I killed the show after a while. But you know what happened is. I figured I have all these followers on YouTube. They should, you know, I should record this. I should film it. And we did after like a couple of episodes. I was like, I, we set up one GoPro and then just 
did it right. um and i would release the audio before so people could download it and then i would release the video and that was a thing that went on for like seven plus years then we did it uh we had live switchers we set up six cameras and it was really good we had personalities on the show um but those videos never like popped so they stopped popping and that's where photo news fix came out of because the news was interesting and so instead of having an hour-long podcast that we did live i went ahead and just stopped doing that and made photo news fix work and photo news fix took a couple years to get to a certain place but it started off with like 12 thousand views 15,000 views then it was like 30,000 views then I took photo news fix out of the title because it didn't make any sense then I took photo news fix out of the thumbnail then I came up with a format I'm on the left and then we put the thing on the right and then I would come up with clickbait titles and we went my goal was to do like 50,000 views a video and then we started doing a hundred thousand every photo news fix and just because it's 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 a it's a five to seven or eight minute video five to seven minutes generally um, I write it I film it Dan edits it, takes a little more than a day of editing, roughly, and we put it out, and they will average 80 to 100 or more, depending on the topic. And so that's, yeah, do that, you that's use a, good uh, content. Do you, those videos, you, you script those out when you say you write them. Do you script mm -hmm. them out, use a, a, like a teleprompter for those? I do. Yeah, so I never did teleprompters ever, like, with well, all was, of my content. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was how, your ability to just speak non-stop in a video with no little or no editing even when you do your reviews and in these is mind-boggling to me how well that how engaging that is if you just is that just a natural talent of yours or is that something you just kind of honed over the years i it well for whatever reason the the information is there so i'm able to spew it out i mean my guys will edit me these days a little bit but most of the stuff that i do if i'm sitting at my desk if i'm on set uh we're recording a review of a camera or we're downstairs on our store set. There's no teleprompters in, in those videos. Right. The only teleprompter videos are um, photo news fix because it's a scripted video. It's that super duper important things where I need to get the words right. Like sales videos end yeah. up being yeah. scripted so they can be concise and to the point. Um, and what I just call any of my scripted content. Like I have one coming out on the social dilemma on, you know, me like, Oh, I love uh, that movie. Yeah, well, it. I, so I wrote a whole thing. We filmed it. And now we've got the B-roll that needs to go into it. Uh, but those are scripted. And the funny thing is my scripted videos tend to do better than a lot of the other videos because we're able to have a we, – we, like, build it around a better title. Like, right. I have a confession to make is what the other one is going to be when the Social Dilemma one comes out. And for and the watch time on those is is – almost complete just because it's scripted it's engaging you're telling a story and the thing that everybody needs to know as a youtuber is uh we have a, th a saying if you say it show it so if you're right. talking about cutting a piece of wood then you better be showing you cutting that piece <laughs> of wood and it's not just a talky talky video and, and that's one of the things to get back to a point i made a long time ago in 2015 16 17 as peter was shooting up and i was just flatlining it was like well i was doing more talky talky videos i was still doing one video a day and that probably burned people out and it wasn't the best content i was just getting it out to get it out and so the more talky talky you do the less interesting it is and before we jump on to the next thing, um, as Peter was shooting up, there were other smaller YouTubers in the photosphere that were new that were shooting up as well. Uh, very few of those that shot up have been able to sustain it more than two years. Um, 
And I think that that fast lightning growth is very difficult for people to sustain other than Peter and a couple of other people. Um, and yeah, so it's, Peter's it's been rare. able to. You, you see that happen. Somebody will shoot up and then it just kind of flash in a pan kind of thing. And it just, it well, just it's easy up. to do after the, uh, it's easy to do the thing that works over and over and over again, but sooner or later, uh, you know, you need to step up with the next new idea. And that's where really the rubber meets the road for most people. Try doing that for 10 years and turn it into a business. Yeah. Hey, well, you know, what, when you mentioned social dilemma, I, I know that you're probably going to be talking about this in your video. I, mean, I, don't know if I did a whole split. podcast. I read the script on my podcast. I have a podcast I do. I call it the Daily Fro. Yeah. I got pissed off. Right, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me hold that thought. Hold that thought. Okay. Um, so I stopped doing the, the, the raw talk thing, but I still wanted to do some kind of podcast. And I tried to do this. I don't want to say what it is because I'm going to shit all over it. Um, I wanted to do this thing. It was like a journal type thing, and it asked you questions, and you filled it out. I got fucking pissed off. I ripped it in half. I said, this is bullshit. So what I did is I gave myself a challenge. Um, I'm going to, instead of talk, like writing this stuff in a book or on a paper, why don't I just talk to the microphone? Mm. And so for for like every day for like 250 days in a row, I when I was in Paris, I did it too. I mean, it didn't, the girlfriend at the time wasn't, she had to like tell me like please can you not do this every day or figure out a different time because i want to go to bed but i was just talking and ta like sharing what was on my mind it was raw and it's still raw and so i don't do it every day but i have ideas i do them i put them up and people listen um i don't remember where i was going well i was going to ask you about your social dilemma <laughs> what did have you and i don't know if you if you want to you know kind of spoil what you're going to be talking about there but do, have you changed your social media habits because of that movie or is that what is your thoughts on that all right i haven't changed how i run the business well yeah i i wouldn't think that because it's actually my dilemma is that very thing how do i balance like social media but knowing that i have to use and you've got a huge instagram following too so I mean, you have to keep that going well so for me and I and I I were, the reason I mentioned my podcast is I did read the entire script that's not out yet at, in one of my podcasts because I, I like to read it but also expand on it when I'm talking on my podcast so people can download and listen and interact they can text me with that texting number and then I can interact because um, I get some feedback that way but the, the 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 my dilemma is not only am I a creator but I'm also a consumer and so being a consumer and a creator is difficult. Because you have to balance that how much bullshit are you putting out into the world versus what are you sitting here just going through Instagram nonstop, which is a waste, and Facebook and doing all this bullshit. I mean, the points they made with, you know, you notice it like I'm on dating apps. If you're not on the dating app for eight hours, a notification pops up is like, are you still with us? You know, they're literally trying to bring you back in or... You missed someone, and I guarantee you, if somebody dug into that or was like a designer at those apps and no longer works at them, like a place like Bumble or Tinder or any of these, I guarantee you they send out false notifications that you missed someone to entice you to sign up to spend money to see who you missed. So I watched the movie, and that was the first thing that I changed. Like, I watched the movie, and I'm like, I need to make an immediate change right afterwards. So I stopped all the notifications, and the thing that fascinated me most about it was I remember back in the, not even five, six years ago, where Facebook would send you a notification if you got a message, someone liked a comment or like whatever. Yeah. A notification in the little red dot or the number used to associate whatever. Now, here's some birthdays, 
some person you don't engage with just posted, like they're literally being like, hey, someone else posted a picture. It's not even of you, but just wanted to let you, and that classifies as a notification. And one of the things that they point out in that movie is it doesn't even matter if it's the app that you're addicted to. Once the phone gets you back in the matrix, once you're sliding through and picking a button, you're already, you know, you're, you're, you're already back in to the matrix as it were. So in, in 2010, when I, when I started the YouTube, I'd get a notification for every comment. Right. And I had an iPhone cause we got those in 2007 ish. And I turned off notifications within a couple weeks of starting YouTube. I turned off email notifications because even though it would ping and I tried to ignore it, you knew it was there. Yeah. And so it's calling I, you. Yeah, right, it's but, but, yeah. But I did that in 2010. I turned off email notifications. I don't have notification email notifications on, on my phone. I don't have app notifications on for just about anything. I got an Apple watch. The only thing I like, about, I mean, what I use it for is I can see what the weather's like. I can see when my ring doorbell rings. <laughs> um, I don't get I don't get emails and I can get phone calls on it. Right. So I don't do any notifications on this thing. I'm riding my bike. I'll put on the heart monitor. That's it. Like. And so I was I asked I posed the question in the video, like, what could I do? What could I do? actually I said in the podcast and some people were like, well, you could have gotten the 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 cellular version of the watch. And that way you could still have your phone with you. And not have to worry about not being connected, but you are less likely to start swiping through this thing to look at Instagram or check emails or send texts because it's just impossible. And so as much as you want to be disciplined to not get sucked into it, it's impossible to not get sucked into it. Well, it's easy to kind of think that, you know, as a creator, you, <clears throat> you've got to be responsive to your audience. And so you have to be able to respond every time they want to get a hold of you. And that, that'll just eat away at your entire day. And you'll never, never be able to run a business if you do that. Well, that was great when everybody wasn't an asshole. <laughs> you know, back in the day, I replied to every comment because what I had like 10 comments, you right. It wasn't that hard yeah. when you first started. Now it's very difficult because you'll read four or five great comments and then somebody says something really stupid and it pisses you off and then you have to stop reading comments again because you want to reply like are you serious and, and so you'll you could have a hundred great comments and that one negative comment is the oh. only one that you'll and you'll it never goes away you could be doing this for 15 years and it doesn't go yeah. away and it still no. strangely hurts and it just hurts in different ways well people think they're like oh, don't let it affect you i'm like look yeah. it doesn't affect me but for five minutes it fucking pisses me off. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because you're human. Yeah, it, right. And so don't sit here and tell me don't let it affect you because you don't know what it's like to be in this position. You don't you don't have that. And so, yeah, I'm going to get pissed off. And sometimes I'll tell someone to fuck off in the comments. I will. I'll leave it public. <laughs> what I used to do uh, sometimes is I would type a comment to them really nasty, send it to them, then delete both comments so that they get the notification and see right. my comments. And no one else sees it. I don't give a shit if they post that publicly because I'm not saying anything that's going to get me in trouble. I just said something damn harsh to like shut them up. That full, doesn't full disclosure. I've done the exact same thing before. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. a, a topic I do want to bring up as a YouTuber uh, that you guys may notice is when they came out with the studio app and they updated it and, uh, you post a new video and within like 20 minutes, it's telling you how your video is ranking from one, you know, in comparison to your last okay. 10. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And basically sometimes it says 10 out of 10 and, and it's like, 
basically it's telling you you suck. Yeah, that's what it's telling you. <laughs> I know. It, we it's talked like, about this. It's like I don't understand who designed this system because they weren't a creator. But yeah, it's great. Your video is performing better. It's it's being viewed 143 percent more than your last one. Your view your video is underperforming, but people are watching it longer. Yeah, you know, it's just like shut up, YouTube. You, you're supposed to be helping us. And what they'll say, it'll say is it'll say your audience is showing much less interest in this video. The best in thing is they topic. used to have little di little illustrations, and if your video was doing well, it'd be a little rocket ship going up. <laughs> it wasn't doing very well. It was a paper airplane slowly kind of falling off to the side. <laughs> and it was and all see, gray. My my feeling on this is that one, it's bullshit because we can look back at videos that were ten of ten that did really poor today. But yeah. a year down the road, they continue. And the reason I think YouTube does this is that they make their majority of revenue the first 24 hours, the first Absolutely. 48 hours. And yeah. that's why they want you to change your thumbnails and change their title and do this because they want that CTO, the click-through rate, which is highly important. I love when I see it's like 15%. But the question is, are you damaging a video by using clickbait today because it won't be found tomorrow? Right. So... That's another one of those dilemmas with the YouTube uh, world. Do you have a YouTube partner manager? They all suck. Uh, I know they all do, but at this point right now, do you have someone who you're working with? I do not have a dedicated partner manager. The only person I have is someone who actually follows followed my channel, who works for YouTube, who will I can say some things to them every once in a while. You can get some inside information. So I seem to be we seem to be one of the only kind of larger YouTubers still with direct access to a partner manager, and we've been yeah, through a dozen of one. them. They suck. And, and normally you would you would introduce you would get introduced to one, and they would get into your channel two and years tell and you then some leave. things. And within six months, the the next Zoom call that you're having with them is like, yep, I've been moved on to a different group. We're yep. going to toss you on to someone else. And you just got tossed around a whole bunch of times until the last one that did this before we have the one that we currently have. And we're just like, we're done. We don't need anybody else to reach out to and put all this work in and you guys just like slough it off to the next person. The current person we have is fantastic. However, I think clearly the, the, the amount of channels that they manage are, are much, much, much smaller now. And perhaps it's because I'm in Canada that I have one. Well, and Canadians are nicer. You know, they're like, sorry, sorry, we didn't <laughs> have a good. That's what it is. We, we didn't have a apologize. Good, well, we're sorry. Well, we're going to help you here. Uh, you know, would you like us to send you some maple syrup and Molson Light? You, you know Canadians very well. <laughs> all of this, all of this to say is because uh, uh, we are still fortunate to have like monthly meetings with our our our, our partner manager, and we still kind of have like our kind of tapped in, and we are now at a place where the first twenty four hours or forty eight hours of video upload is basically irrelevant now. It certainly was the case for many, many years. That first 24 hours, get as many as you can. When you release the video on YouTube, go on Facebook, share it, share it on your Instagram, slide up stories, get as many people there as quickly as possible. So I think what ended up happening is people realized that that's the situation. If you get good out of the gate, then you'll get into the uh, recommended uh, videos kind of area. And then you go from there. Now we're seeing videos which we think would uh, uh, do very well out of the gate, don't do very well out of the gate. But at day seven or day 12 or day 15 now seems to be when they're picking up content and it doesn't need to be absolutely fresh content. I don't know if they're being more selective with the well, content that they're recommending. Maybe it's just what people are searching. Maybe your stuff is longer burned because it's keyword heavy. Like it's what somebody would be searching for.
Yeah. And, and that could, that could also be the case. I, I know that I, we are currently in a position where uh, YouTube is not communicating directly with, with creators anymore. Unless uh, they're the biggest of the big. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. Mr. Beast. You're or Peter, Casey Neistat. Exactly. Or Casey yeah. or I Justine or the, you know, the biggest of the big. Peter um, McKinnon. Yeah. You know, Peter I, McKinnon. Well, you know, when I, I had that, I had the YouTube partner manager, I think I had a couple of them. And then finally they said, well, we're not doing this anymore with you. I'm like, well, whatever. Cause really they were just kind of saying, Oh, make Get better thumbnails. Better. <laughs> Work on your title. Collaborate. We want Have you, you thought about making new playlists. Ugh. Whenever yeah. they would do the collaboration bit, I'm like, dude, do you understand? I'm working out of a garage. I'm doing woodworking. I'm building things. There's nobody to collaborate with. And so you do these really weird, like, you know, virtual collaborations. Other woodworkers will do this and it, it never works. It's just dumb. <laughs> it's so yeah. forced to so do this. One That's of the crazy. things I said to this YouTuber partner guy, he, he deals with a lot of the Spanish channels. Um, I, 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 I laid out a feature that would benefit us as creators so much more instead of just saying your video is doing a terrible job right now and it's not taking off split facebook actually implemented this i don't know if they released it yet but split testing titles and split testing thumbnails yeah. why can they not have an a b test for titles and thumbnails where they i mean it's YouTube. They know instantly the CTR. They know instantly what's working. So I want to be able to put in two thumbnails, an A and a B. I want to be able to put in two titles, an A and a B. That when you hit go, it splits that and it sends it out to however many it does. It does its thing. And within seconds, it knows that 500 people clicked this one and 250 click that well, you one. You can do that now with uh, TubeBuddy. Chad and I are yep. both using TubeBuddy, but you have to pay for it. But further to your point, Wait, you want your but, mind but, blown. One year ago, they actually ran a beta program. We were a part of it. They chose 10 channels on the platform. I don't know how they ended up choosing them, but they ran a beta platform where basically you would upload two. Um, it wasn't for titles, but it was just for thumbnails. And you would upload two thumbnails and they would give you real access yeah. or they gave us real time access uh, to this. And it was great. We did it for three months or something like that. And it was wonderful to use. Uh, and the it didn't go anywhere. So they certainly did test it and it was apparently something that was supposed to be, but nothing has happened. I mean, yet. that, that and titles would be awesome because sometimes the shittiest title that you think won't work. Yeah. Can work. To um, Steve's point, have you, have you used TubeBuddy? Do you know TubeBuddy? Well, I looked into back in the day that, but it was, it only did split testing after a video was, it didn't do it in real time. Yeah, that's the thing that bugs me is it, it doesn't start the test until yeah. midnight of the day. It takes, you, and it you, takes a few days to actually see right. the results. And then like you can't like see days. the results in, yeah, until it's like However, processed. for archived content, I mean, it's great. Just like I always yeah. have about 50 tests running because like whatever, it's older videos. Like why would I not have, you know, every day the thumbnail being switched out and then after two weeks of testing, I just pick whichever one. I think it's weakest on your brand new videos. For older videos, it, it, works, it works okay. It ends up being washed out because you end up getting a bunch of subscribers out of the gate to a video so your click-through percentages on the first few days of your video is going to be very different when you're feeding it to your audience versus right. something that's just sitting in search anyway well i guess i mean i've been using vid stats or no not vid stats what the hell do i vid use IQ? Vid, vid iq iq yes no no you guys yep. like but the i used to better? use that one i don't know i, haven't I use it. both of them i use vid iq because they're really good for keywords so uh whenever i'm doing tags or just looking for variations of keywords do i find they even like, matter putting, yeah do they, well, you know, i'm sorry what, 
I said, do they even matter? Because like I can see that the the vid IQ stats like this is a fifty for fifty for everything, and then the video just tanks. It's like it meets all the criteria. And how does a how does a Mr. Beast video or an iDubs video trend? And they don't they don't even make they don't a description. Tags. Or they put some you know like a joke in the description or just something completely random. That's why it. You, that's why I. That's why I don't fuck with the two buddy stuff. That's why I don't worry about most of the stuff. Uh, I don't want to drive myself nuts. I think I that's the key. You have to do that. I mean, th this year my you know video views have gone down because I've been producing more videos and it's of a div different type, but overall watch time is up on them, which is I think Better was content. really interesting. So it's it's like the the people who are watching are are really dedicated. They really want to see the, the content. And perhaps they're also seeing you make content that you really want to make. So it's just yeah. more watchable in general versus you going through the motions and doing it, the There comes a time that's... where you just have to, you just have to say, I'm, I am not really as interested in playing all of these analytics game, you know, as I, as I once was. Very much so. It, it's never ending. Cause I mean, I, you know, I can talk to the biggest YouTubers and get messages from them. Like my video didn't do well. And you're like, but well, you'll still get 300,000 views on it. Yeah. You know, but, and it, but it, it's the same. Even as you step up, you still worry no matter what. You know what bit of advice you gave? That, going back to that same that same YouTube thing, and I don't even know if you remember this. Is so I think it was somebody asked you about well, how do how do I grow my business? How do I really make this work? And I loved your answer. You said, well, first thing you do is you get your get your ass off of that bar stool every Saturday and Friday night and you work instead of doing that. And I thought, well, that is, that's like uh, some of the best advice because that applies to running any business is you have to be willing to dedicate yourself to it, you know, full time. I think the, uh, I think the, the story I was, would have told based off of that answer was um, before I started YouTube, I would go to the bar and it was like a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, because it was something to go do. I didn't drink. Like, I never drank. I just stood there. But then I got to the point I was looking at these people every day coming into this place. And I said to myself, what could I be doing with this time to better myself? And that was it. I'm like, I got the fuck out of there. And I just started focusing nonstop every day. I would wake up, make a video, edit, and by edit, my er, I edited all the original ones was I didn't know how to edit. So I put an intro on the front. I put an outro on the end. Even if I messed up, it didn't matter. It was real. And I put it out into the world. So that was lunchtime. I would eat lunch, come back from lunch, repeat the whole thing, make a second video for the day and post it and then do comments till two in the morning. But it was nonstop just honing that just content after content after content. Yeah, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask before we wrap things up. What is next for you? I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out my life nonstop every day since I was a kid. I still haven't figured that out. Um, I, you know, we went on the road with Bernie Sanders to do a project. I'm not, I wanted to ask you about that, too. I mean, I, I don't want to get sidetracked here, but that was an amazing bunch of photographs. And it looked like you were like his personal photographer during that campaign. I had all access. Uh, he has he had a photographer on the road. Um, and I was asked to be that, like, they asked me to pitch them an idea to come out on the road. I'm like, well, that's easy. Cause they gave us access and I want to do my six degrees, uh, series for Netflix. It's six episodes a season. It's six degrees. It starts with say a Bernie Sanders and we follow him around for a day, whatever day and a half. 
capturing everything my film guys with me audio guy maybe a, a second shooter make it a real thing with a producer get interviews which is what we couldn't do with bernie but get interviews while we're shooting interacting and the great part about it is the six degrees part is the subject gets to tell me where i'm going who i'm photographing next and that will determine where i go in the world and so you you discuss that off air but you like all right who's the biggest person most interesting person you know that would say yes um, and I've done like 12 different degrees through, um, but I wanted, it's harder with a team. It's harder when you have to have a crew with you, but that's what I want to do. I want to create that type of content. I'm, I'm a shooter by, at, at, at nature and I don't shoot that much, but when I do shoot, I, I just, I love telling the photo stories. Um, you, you did that a, a couple of years ago. I, you were, I, you tried to do a pilot. I remember you went out to the Southwest. The Grand and- Canyon. Grand Canyon and it was it's a great it was, episode it was it was awesome and I was I was like so hoping that that was going to develop into something more but it sounds like you kind of have a similar idea with this well I probably didn't shop it around the right way yeah. or get it to the people or it just was like it was overwhelming because the difficult thing is if you put your editing might behind an episode that may take weeks or months to create what is that doing to your YouTube content? And so yeah. there's that mental thing in 2015 when we filmed that Grand Canyon thing was like, oh, fuck, that took us away from doing X and I didn't put out enough videos this week. And are people going to stop watching me and are they going to forget about me? So I've probably damaged myself and certain things by by that stuff. So it's, it's hard for me to pick a direction and actually stick to it because I'm yeah. always I mean, the guys will know like one day it's like we're supposed to do this. I'm like, nah, I want to do this today. You know, yeah. so it's. You know, that that I, I don't know where I want to go, man. It's almost 10 years. I mean, it's over 10 years, actually. So I'm not sure I want us to continue to do what we do. But I also want to make bigger and better content that can reach more people. And maybe six degrees is it. Maybe it's not. But yeah, how much, how much do you bench? I don't know the numbers because <laughs> I don't we never max. I never do maxes ever. Oh, really? No, maxing is. We, yeah is bad so i hurt my back can... i hurt my back bench maxing i was trying to i just started lifting a couple of years ago and look at that look at those if guns you, if you can't do as my trainer when i had a trainer the original trainer um we would do everything seven to twelve if you can't do mm. at least seven reps cleanly then it's too heavy and yeah. you're gonna hurt yourself so everything for us has been you know four sets of seven to twelve and you know, I don't know, it was 160 maybe we got up to, but it wasn't even a, a lot. Maybe it was 180. I don't, I don't even know, but if it didn't matter. It wasn't about how much you could do. It was about doing well, it right. You look, you look great. I mean, you must work out. How often do you work out? Uh, Well, the gyms are closed. Well, yeah, same here. I bought a MI7 from this company called Hoist uh, and put it in the in the basement and started working. You know, I, I stayed functional through lockdown uh, I dropped like 10 pounds, which then takes away some of your muscles, but it also took away the fat because I started eating differently in quarantine. And I got a new trainer again. Um, three days a week, he comes in, 6 a.m., unfortunately, but that's what he had available, and I'm dedicated to wanting to work out. And so I get up at 5.40, and <laughs> we, you know, I get into the basement, and we ma- I wear a mask working out, and yeah. he wears a mask coming to my house. So... Um, yeah, I'm dedicated to it. So three days a week doing that. And I started riding the bike during quarantine, actual uh, road bike. And I've enjoyed that doing 20 miles and burning a shit ton of calories so I can eat cupcakes. You got a lot going on in your life, Jared. Not really. 
You it sounds like a lot, but it's not. I'm do you fucking have a, do single, you, man. Okay, this is one. I gotta have one last question. Just when I think this is gonna be it, because well, we've been asking everybody on here. Do you? What do you do? Like it, free time? What is a hobby that do you do, or do you have any? I don't. I don't like. Yeah. I'm fucking single, and I'm not happy about it anymore. Um, <laughs> I bought a piano program from a piano YouTuber because That's I want to. I have a piano, so I've always wanted to learn. So I'm just practicing the fundamentals and basics, and I'm hoping that they can teach as well as I teach photography. I hope they can teach piano, and it's just that's something I'm trying. Um, I, w- I was in a bowling league when the pandemic wasn't happening, and so I love bowling. Uh, the hobbies don't exist, and and riding the bike became a thing, but that's like an hour and a half, two hours. But I can go ride with a friend, and then it takes longer, and we go thirty miles, and it's just like, like that's freeing because I don't. I don't want to get on the phone at all during that. You know, the phone stays on do not disturb in my underneath my seat. And it's just, I guess that's a hobby, but I don't know. I'm always creating and it's kind of, it's a, it's a common, we've, everybody we've asked is that we're all kind of in that same boat where it's like, we don't feel like there's really anything outside of work. And then you, you do, you get into something interesting in a hobby or something. And you, first thing you think of is, well, now how can I monetize this? Or how (laughs) can I? Well, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I listened to him on a, on a show once, and they're like, you need to find a hobby. And then he was like, well, why? I love what I do. Yeah. And hobbies are something that you found in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s when you worked your 9 to 5, and you went fishing because you worked so hard that you just needed yeah. time to sit and do something. But when it's what you love, why do you need to find something to distract yourself from the thing that you do? That's a good, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you have that attitude of like approaching each day with like, all right, I'm going to figure that. That's what I love about doing this. And that's what I've always wanted. I feel in my life. Like even as a little kid, I was just like, I just want to be able to wake up and be like, today I want to paint or today I want to do this, or I want to write, or I want to do this or that. And it certainly all now starts to be the same kind of thing, but I still actually get to dictate what I do every single day. And that to me is a measure of success. One of the other things that we actually ask every single person who comes on is where do you keep your gold play button? Oh, it's downstairs in an egg pod chair. It's it's I don't hang it. I mean, I you know, um it's it when it finally came, it was like cool, done. Sit it over here. I show it to kids that are interested in YouTube and they, you know, you know yeah. when 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 like a family not a family but somebody you encounter is like my daughter loves YouTube. I'm like, "Bring them to the studio and they can hold on to the plaque." It's de- it's it's downstairs on a it's on a it's off of the set that we use for photo news fix. I have an egg chair down there. It's sitting inside of the egg chair. All right. Yeah. It's amazing how many kids want to get the uh, uh, whenever kids come over and they see that they want to take pictures and hold it and take pictures with it. It is <laughs> well. The thing is, you you're old school because you've got the hundred thousand original hundred thousand yes, to the yeah, right. Yeah, that one over there. Yes. So I got one of those too, the yeah. original, and then I got the gold one like this. Um, did you I only know? hang them because no one knows who I am. Yeah, yeah but like... so I don't know if you know this. Um, when when the original one got when I got the original hundred thousand, it came with a five hundred dollar gift card to B and H. Whoa. Oh. That the time. did not happen. Yeah. They That's gave us a five hundred dollar gift card to B and H to spend. Hmm. Sorry, so you're cool. Canadian. Yes. YouTube's getting cheap now. It'd be like forty seven dollars Canadian. No, yeah, it's actually about... <laughs> it's the opposite. It'd be like nine hundred dollars Canadian. So Jared, I hope we could have you back on again. This was so much fun. I, like I just wanted to keep talking forever. But and I did, I wanted to ask you like questions about like how we can improve this podcast since we don't really know what we're doing. And I really wanted to dig deep on thumbnails because I really, really wanted to hear what your kind of thoughts and processes are with thumbnail design. Can I, can so, yeah. I go into that? Well, 
if you I come mean, back you on, asked I, yeah. I did didn't i i'll just give you the, the quick and dirty i I, right. I used to just do shitty thumbnails because i'm like the titles and people will watch me because it's me um or that youtube back in the day would just automatically pick before you could even upload thumbnails it yeah. would just pick something um so I, I, I took them over because I, I was trying to send them to a friend to do, but they just didn't get it. And so I've gotten better and better at Photoshop and making certain things pop. And the key for me is trying to find a uniform look for specific entities. So if it's Photo News Fix, I want it to follow the same thumbnail scheme every time because I want people to recognize that when they see that, that that's what it is. Or when it's, and that's why, that's why I'll bring it all the way back to the beginning. Critiques are the hardest thing to do. I don't know how to put a thumbnail on it. And I don't know how to type right. and that's so difficult yet. It's a 20 minute video that gets 12 minutes of watch time or 14 minutes. And it's just hard to click bait it and hard to put a good title on it. Hmm. All right. Okay. Well, time thanks to work. again, Jared. It was great having you on the show. And if anybody wants to follow you, definitely go over to fronosephoto.com. And me. of course, check out his YouTube channel. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.